You are listening to How to Bake a Book. Some episodes may contain content not suitable for some listeners. Please see descriptions for specific content warnings. Listener discretion is advised. Just now, I started recording a little bit later than we typically do, and we were just talking about beets and how much I love them, and how much Mary can't have them anymore. And now I feel bad. like the food beets. Not yeah, like not like the rhythm or like or the, the headphones. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you do have like a lot of rhythm, though. <gasps> Thanks. You do. You've got the rhythm in the heart. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, ma'am. <laughs> I, I've been freed of my curse. <laughs> I actually had to be exiled. Uh, oh. that, that was, uh, you satisfied it. I just am so disappointed. I'm disappointed in me all the time. Join the club. <laughs> so, <laughs> this episode and next episode, we're going to be covering uh, The Bear and the Nightingale by Catherine Arden. And oh boy, is this a book. It has words in it. It does. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I read it on hardback. I read it on Kindle, mm-hmm. and I listened to it. I feel like I feel like this is what you do when there's a book that's like not I, something I just you're can't this get is, into. I think the exact the exact technique that you employed yep. for the city in the middle of the night. <laughs> the city in the middle yeah. of the night. Um, I, the narrator is Kathleen and um, I think it's Gaty and she actually did really well awesome. Uh, awesome. narrating this story. Amazing. Um, it looks like it was released January 10th of 2017 and then mm-hmm. who's the publishing house do you know del rey del, of yeah. course it's good a del, del rey. rey it's a good old del rey stalwart so, i don't know about you cole i don't know about me either mary i fucking struggled i did too i know like you and i were briefly talking before mm-hmm. we started i made the great and terrible mistake of starting another book that was just yeah, I did infinitely <laughs> more interesting to me during this. I started reading uh, Winter's Orbit, which is a like a gay science fiction book, and that it's amazing. It's so good so far. Oh my god! I'm like halfway through it, and I start. I had like 30 pages left of this one to read, and I started that one because I was like, I've got a week until Mary and I are recording, and it was just everything I could do to finish those last 30 pages. I <laughs> I smoked so much weed hoping that like that like that would help. It didn't. Yeah. This is this is not to say that this is not a good book. It is well written. It is well it written. Is, the language is beautiful. I think the plot is there. I disagree with the language. Yeah. So That's fair. Russian, yes, I do believe is a beautiful language. Yeah. But there's a note at the end of this book that even the author says that she's translated things from Russian that aren't. Oh no, right? I know <laughs> just like the way she puts words oh, in order. Oh yes, yes, like yes. How, how the the style <laughs> of the languages. But um, yeah. no, no, I think I, I I have a distinct feeling that maybe if I was at a different stage in my life, 
I would have loved this book in a very deep way. But Mm -hmm. maybe it's just because of where I am or something, but, like, I felt like the payoff at the end of the book was not worth, the like, slogging through the beginning of the book. Well, and I will say that this is the first book of a trilogy. Yes. So it could be that maybe that's why it was a little bit slow. Mm -hmm. But I... If you know me, my favorite book is The Name of the Wind, and the beginning of that one is also oh, slow. Yeah, it's slow. It, but that I think that's a, like a stylistic but trait I think, of... I think I, I... There's a couple things. So I thought maybe I, I couldn't get into it because uh, I was dealing with some like depression stuff and I know like I know a lot of people that like when you're you're in that sort of mindset you can't really get into anything new yeah totally fair and so I tried it again like when I was in a better headspace and I still couldn't get into it mm-hmm. I tried to like smoke myself silly that didn't <laughs> that didn't work I, and I think what it boils down to for me is we covered spinning silver yeah. um earlier on yeah and the bear and the nightingale is very similar in in terms of uh like a winter king and uh like a demon of some sort sort of in like this northern north eastern european slash russian area yeah i will actually i don't know if you have this on your version of the book on mine the trade paperback copy uh which what year did this come out 2017 17 2017 mm-hmm. uh has a a blurb from naomi novick oh, um, really? so it says a beautiful deep winter story full of magic and monsters and the sharp edges of growing up oh, and so funny. it's i this came out before spinning silver so i wonder like if oh, maybe she percolated on some of the ideas there i had no idea yeah um but i think i it's personally i for me i think it's because i read spinning silver first spinning silver is a p- superb it was book. it just hooked me right in mm-hmm. and i i think i appreciate naomi novak's writing a little bit more that's totally fair um i i 100 percent agree yeah well yeah. and uh, unfortunately like and it's really weird because i i have the first second and third of this series yeah um i do not think i'm gonna finish the series i think i'm going to you can borrow mine if I, you want if you don't mind i'd love to no go ahead um i think i'm going to i'm not gonna rush myself on it though i've got i, I have to finish reading winter's orbit um <laughs> it's so good y'all but um, I, like i it takes a lot for me to, to not finish something yeah that's fair because like i'll give you a cliff's notes thank you <laughs> yeah. because like once I, I like once i'm into it i'm like okay i at least need to know how this ends yeah I don't care. <laughs> there are just enough loose threads for me to like feel like you um, you at least want to know what what happens, happens to the freaking brother. Like why? Which one? What happens to the <laughs> sister? I'm just I don't know. I feel like the the telling of the book for me is it it has a very dreamlike quality. Very. And I just am not in the space to like put myself full like fully immerse myself in a dream like forest you know like that kind of thing yeah um and i like um we've talked about this before where i just i get i struggle with really flowery descriptions of things yeah like granted i know that's a loaf of bread do i need to read how the loaf of bread 
crusts like sand on a beach in a mid-May morning. I need to know that, actually. Like, I, I don't. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I, I think for me, it was that there wasn't a clear main character yeah. for the first half of the book. Mm-hmm. And so then when it became very clear that, yeah, we are supposed to care about Vasya, that she's really our protagonist, I was already starting to divest myself from it. Um, but well, and this is not to like shit on the book. No, it I, was. It, I'm happy I read it. I'm going to finish it. It is a good. There some people I love, whom I respect the opinions of, <laughs> adore this series. So I think it might be a more of a me thing. I think it's a me thing as well. I yeah. I don't think. Um, I I might try and reread it later. later. Can I can I be frank? Yeah, yeah. I think that I just feel like I have my bullshit meter yeah. is way too high right now because of like COVID and political stuff. Literally everything that's just been going on for the yeah. past two years. Mm-hmm. It was so hard for me to like have this book mm-hmm. feel profound to me. And I think that this That's is, actually fair. I just I I I'm gonna give it another chance. I'm gonna finish the series. I would love to hear you know, other people's opinions on it. If you come back to me and you're just like, you know what? That second book just goes fucking nuts. Yeah. Like, absolutely. Like, I'll give it another shot. I was describing this to a friend of mine. We were talking about books and I was describing this one and it feels like, I feel like the first 200 pages have very little going on and it's mostly world building. And I love world building. But I'm just not in a good world building place right now. Yeah, I have and then the last hardback and mine's 319. Yeah. And then the last hundred pages is like, everything's happening. Everything's in crisis. Well, and in the beginning too. So, um, I'm going to explain a little bit of the book because you have this Lord of, uh, like a territory. Yes. And, um, he's married and they have like four sons and a daughter. Three sons? Three sons and a daughter, I think. Three sons and two daughters. At this point, they only have the one daughter. Oh, yeah. And so, like, uh, the mother gives birth to Vasya and then unfortunately passes away and the father will go into it more but the father remarries and then they have kids and so but it's like every character is named mm-hmm. but not all of them matter in in the plot of the story like and the so, mom was so interesting very and she dies right at the well, beginning and then you have like the step siblings and then i'm just like but and then you have one of the siblings marry and then they have kids and then you have to interact with their kid and it's just it's a lot of characters. Yes. That I don't think really I mean, should have speaking parts. That's that is <laughs> fairly characteristic of high fantasy though. Like the classic example of course is the Song of Ice and Fire. Um the what? The Song of Ice and Fire. The Song of Ice and Fire. Oh! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the Game of Thrones books. Where, oh. like, literally there's 8,000 characters. and But, I mean, it's characteristic of, of high fantasy. And, yeah. like, I just got the way... Russian that... names where, like, the Vs are... And, like, the Zs. Yes. Not well, but I do. Um, I can say yes in Russian. Da. Da. <laughs> da. 
Um, I, I mean, I slog through the accent, but that's fine. You know, it's something. I can order food and find a bathroom, and that's what matters. Hey, yeah. And tell somebody off. That's also that, right. Now that is yeah. what matters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's really what matters. No, again, I like... I wouldn't say I hated this book. I wouldn't say I was mad at it or anything. I was. Ju- I would just say it's kind of meh for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that does not mean that we are not going to do our duty and deep dive this beast. <laughs> we talked about maybe not deep diving this beast, but then we didn't. Yeah, we almost <laughs> did not finish this. We d- almost didn't. But no. again, uh, like, honestly, if this is your favorite book... Write to us. Please, yeah, please. Please like, tell me if I missed something that just made it poignant for you. Yeah. Like, I would love to know that. I personally just think it's because I've, I've read a similar book, and, and it was one that I really, really enjoyed. Yes. I think it's <clears throat> just I'm not necessarily in the place for this much world building with... I need to feel connected to the characters. Yeah. I really do. And I didn't feel that connection really start until later on. Yeah. I think that's where I'm at. I didn't connect to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're supposed to connect to (laughs) Valencia. So why not just start at the point where you're supposed to connect? Sorry, this is all the... You know what? Musaba. <laughs> Mary, what the heck did you make this week? <laughs> oh, yeah. So this week, um, there's not a ton of food items in, in the book. There's a lot of honey cakes. And well, I'm yes. Honey very cakes allergic. and honey tea and honey, Bees honey, wax honey. candles. Yes. And, and uh, Cole you, is deathly allergic. Do you so. think that maybe they keep bees? Maybe. Yeah. You know, actually, funny anecdote. My grandpa used to keep bees. And really? Yeah. Oh, I to get rid of them. You know why? You. Me. <laughs> <laughs> it was I. <laughs> um, so uh, I decided to make um, Russian hot chocolate. Y'all. I'm so excited. I've never had Russian hot chocolate. It is one of my favorite things. I didn't know that it was like a thing. It's a thing. Because I've had Mexican hot chocolate. That is also a thing and it is beautiful. So I was looking up these recipes and it calls for like orange zest and creme fraiche. Mm -hmm. And it's like, um, it's like a hot, thick chocolate pudding that you just sip sip on. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it. if you've ever had, like, a good drinking chocolate, it's like that, but, like, with a little bit of personality. I've only had Swiss Miss. Mary. <laughs> I'm really happy to go on this journey with you as you discover the beautiful I've never made my own hot chocolate. I literally have so much hot chocolate in my home at any given point in time because Ren can't do coffee and mm-hmm. needs that, like... I'm just gonna have a little treat. I'm just like a little hot <laughs> beverage, and we and like we go through tea like it's oh yeah going out of style. I drink a ton of tea. Yeah, yeah. I uh, am making two different versions, so I'm gonna do one with alcohol, one without. I personally don't drink, but there's um, a ton of really awesome uh, alcoholic recipes for Russian hot chocolate that just look really fun. So I've been very drunk on Russian hot chocolate before, and I can tell you, it's a more pleasant and worse feeling than you'd ever well, So expect. what liqueur did do? do I have no idea. You know? I was like 17. Oh. <laughs> I was underage drinking. Don't do that. This is ill-advised. Don't do it. I'm just wondering, like, how vodka and chocolate would taste together. Oh, I don't know if it was vodka. I think it was probably rum or something. Rum, probably. I bet... 
a whipped cream. <clears throat> I bet a, like a flavored vodka would be fine. Um, oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, but Ooh, like a. I also personally can't stand mint and chocolate together, but I know a lot that's of not people your thing. love it. And so I'm wondering if like a mint um, alcoholic. I wonder if I made you a good mint hot chocolate. If it, that might change your mind, because you just said you've only had Swiss Miss. I just don't like mint and chocolate together because it's okay. like brushing my teeth with <laughs> chocolate, chocolate in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but can but I, I be willing to try it? Can I ask a nerdy like food question? Yeah, yeah. Uh, because this is also a food and book yeah, podcast. Yeah. Uh, is it almond? Or is it just, like, spearmint? No, it's all mint. It's okay. peppermint, spearmint. Interesting. What's the other mint? Mint mint? I don't know. Mint mint. <laughs> There's lots of mint. There's actually a kind of mint called chocolate mint that has, like, a vague chocolatey flavor. Hmm. My dad grows, gro- did grow it. I don't know if he still grows it. He grows mints? My dad grows a lot of things in his orchard and garden. He's an orchard? Yeah, he's an orchard. He's an orchardist. What the fuck? I had no idea. I grew, I, I grew up on an apple orchard. I think I mentioned that in the first episode. I think you did. It's fine. It's I am multitude. I contain multitudes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm enormous. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I'm gonna do a, a normal, everyday, traditional Russian, Russian hot, hot chocolate. chocolate, and then I'm gonna do kind of a fun alcoholic twist one. Yeah. Uh, can I recommend it high mm-hmm. enough? No, I cannot. It's very <laughs> good. I. That's actually one of the things since I've gone dairy free that like I stopped doing dairy. I want to say five years ago. And it's one of the things that I've been trying to figure out how to do a dairy-free version of, and I have not had success. So if anybody has that, hit me up. This is definitely not a vegan recipe because it calls for a lot of butter. It calls for creme fraiche. (laughs) Depending on the recipe. It calls for heavy cream. Yeah, it calls for like every kind of thing that is dairy. Well, I was really surprised about the creme fraiche because like it's a... um, a very decadent, like, I don't want to say sour cream, because that's not even, it's like a really decadent whipped cream. Yeah, um, the traditional recipes that I've been aware of comes with smetana, which is like a kind of a traditional Russian, almost sour cream that's very, very close to a cream fraiche. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if cream fresh and sour cream had a baby it would be smetana but you can't find that super easily in the u.s like Mm -hmm. a lot of russian grocery stores might have them but Mm -hmm. whether or not that's accessible to the people who wrote the recipes that you're using or accessible to anybody else who's not living in here that has (laughs) (laughs) you know lots of international grocery stores um yeah well, and it calls for, um, like, chopping bittersweet chocolate, and mm-hmm. so the one that I'm going to have a little bit more, like, fun with, I think I'm going to try and do bittersweet and dark. Nice. And try and mix that, see how that tastes. Oh, I'm sure, like, even messing it up, it's going to taste good. <laughs> like, like I said, I've tried to make it before without dairy, and it wasn't right, mm-hmm. but it was still delicious. No. <laughs> like, it was still like, oh, this is just... Not as thick hot chocolate, mm-hmm. you know. It was still something I got to enjoy. So yeah, so that's what I'm gonna make for, for this week. I, I cannot wait to see it up on our Instagram. I'm which trying to be. decide because I haven't taken, I haven't done the photos yet. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to decide if I want to put them in like really cute, fancy because I have these like um, fancy like they almost look like Russian mugs and either that or I was just gonna do like my Christmas mini and Mickey mugs (laughs) 
do both. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh my god. Oh, that's amazing. Well, I, I mean, like, I feel like you could get away with putting them in anything. And oh yeah, I think it'll be fine. I'm yeah. <laughs> Can you honestly do both? Though? Oh yeah, I'm gonna do both. both. <laughs> I need a picture of you with like a like a mustache. Absolutely. From it. It's. While yeah, you're I don't chewing think we've away. posted any of, uh, like, ourselves on our Instagram. No, I don't want to be known. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm cool with just posting the fa- the mustache photo. Just, I, I mean, that does mean that we're just posting a photo of your lips. That's fine. <laughs> okay. I can do that. Okay, all right. You've got big lips energy. I really don't, but I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, I'm an Irish Catholic girl. There's <laughs> not a lot there. Um... <laughs> Uh, so, Bear and the Nightingale, it starts, um, we don't really know, like, the, like, time or era that we're in, except, like, Cole was saying, it's very early, so, like, 13th century, maybe. Yeah, there's a little author's note at the end that, like... Oh, I didn't really read that. I saw the translation thing and I I just stopped. (laughs) That, um, mentions that it's... It's, like... It's medieval period. Okay. So yeah. it's like like what many people call the dark ages. <laughs> and it's it's literally like pre-Renaissance, pre-everything post-Rome, fall of Rome has happened yes. in an area called Rus, which is um Russia. Russia, Belarus, yeah. Estonia Ukraine. area. Yeah. Um it used to be a like a its own kind of do you remember Society? what the territory was called before it was the USSR? I can't remember. The Soviet Union? Was it? Is that? Yeah. Okay, so so then it was just part, it was just Soviet Union? And, and then before that. Yeah. yeah. Before that. I think that it's not clear exactly where they are, but the fact that they can get to Moscow yeah. in, like, what, two weeks? Something yeah. like that mm-hmm. on foot tells me that they're probably in at what Russia. is actually Russia? Yeah, that's what I was thinking they, too. They could be in Ukraine or Belarus, depending on the rivers. But honestly, I didn't get that deep into it. If no. you know, and and um, they do talk about like, oh, you know, you're a pretty Russian girl, so I think it is Russia. Yeah, I think yeah. it is. Um, I mean, and Ru- Russia's been around forever, and so they've owned and lost a lot of territories. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna start off, there's, uh, like a little, I don't know if you would call it like a poem or something in the beginning of the book. An epigraph. An epigraph. Is that Mm -hmm. what that's called? Yeah. So it says, by the shore of the sea stands a green oak tree. Upon the tree is a golden chain. And day and night a learned cat walks around and around on the chain. When he goes to the right, he sings a song. When he goes to the left, he tells a tale by A.S. Pushkin. And then it starts at part one. Mm-hmm. So um, when I read that, I was just like, oh, cool. I'm going to see a cat. There's <laughs> no cat. A single cat. There's not. There's Maybe not there's, a single cat. There's not even a cat in the barn. No. <laughs> like getting rid of the mice no. or anything. Not one cat in this yeah. whole book. I mean, it's a lovely poem. <sighs> God, Catherine. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... So it starts off like that. Yeah. And then um, you were inside of a home and um, there's like a, oh man, there's kind of like an evil stepmother um, and she wants to get rid of her stepdaughter 
So she gets a, a dowry, or not a dowry, she she convinces the husband to have the, the stepdaughter walk out into the wintry forest and wait for the king of winter mm-hmm. to come and take her. So the king uh, of winter does show up, and he asks her three questions. It's always three questions. It's always three questions. Well, that's one of those things. That's yeah. A, yeah. That's like a folktale oh, standby. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And so uh, the three questions are, are you warm? And he makes it colder. Next question, are you warm? Makes it colder. And the whole time she's being defiant about it. Yeah. And she's like, like, oh, no, I'm good. I'm good. This is great. Yeah. I'm and warm. like, I was deaf. So I'm Canadian. <laughs> and I grew up, though, in the States. Mm-hmm. And when... People find out you're Canadian. They expect you to be able to tolerate cold. And I internalized that when I was, like, 10 to the point that I would, like, go outside in my T-shirt in, like, the middle of December in the snow mm-hmm. like an idiot <laughs> and be like, oh, yeah, no, I'm fine while I'm dying of hypothermia up the side. But um, I, I felt that. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. So um, so she she is very courageous and is just like, no, my king, I'm fine. Um, and this young girl's name is Marfa. And because of her courage and everything, he gives her like a king's dowry and mm-hmm. sends her back to her father and stepmother. So when she gets back home, her stepmother is just like, oh, well, my own daughter would fetch a much bigger dowry. Yeah. You can practically see the dollar signs in her eyes. Oh, yeah. Except I don't... I mean, they definitely didn't have the dollar back So, like, what is it? Coins? What is it? What's the... Oh, I I almost said rupees. That's not right. No, that's not it. No, anyway. (sighs) Sometimes reality and, like, my games and, like, like, all of that (laughs) stuff... They bleed together. They bleed together. Oh, I get you. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, So, uh, the stepmother sends her own daughter out, and the king comes back and uh, talks to her and says, you know, asks the same three questions, are you warm? And she is just so fucking rude, and it's just like, of course I'm not warm, you fucking dimwit. And then, like, and which uh, I also understand. Oh yeah. Like, if I'm sitting, if I'm standing out in a wintry field, and it's like 40 below, and I'm freezing, my lips are blue, and somebody asks me if I'm warm. warm. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna pop off too. Oh yeah, my first instinct is just hashtag sarcasm. Yeah. So <laughs> no, I'm totally fine. Yeah, I'm totally fine. Um, <laughs> don't you see me over here baking bread? Uh, <laughs> and so because she's so rude, um, and uh, you know, like uncourageous, and just doesn't it doesn't seem like she has necessarily any good thing about her. Um, he touches her, and and essentially like she freezes to death. Yeah, yeah. Um, she doesn't come home. Stepmom makes the father go back out there. Father finds her, brings her back, and of course the mother's just the father in this story. Yeah, come on, man. <laughs> come on, <laughs> come on, man. And so that story is told by a nurse in, um, it's like a family's nurse, which it was, in my mind, it would be like a, just like a, a house caretaker. Yeah, it's not. Like she does the cleaning and the cooking and the yeah. mending and she helps look after the kids. Mostly it helps look after the kids yeah. and then like sees to everything else. She's like the, like the house, how the, how lady of the house's helper yes perfect yes. yeah not like you know an rn mm-hmm. or a crn or a, 
<laughs> you know, physician's assistant mm-hmm. or something. I'm a CMA. Yeah, you are. Yeah. yeah, not not a you kind of nurse. No, no, no. You're way more like not a me kind of nurse. You're way more like in people's <laughs> bodies than what Dunya is doing. So, um, so Dunya, the house nurse, was telling the children this story, and uh, the mother and father, Marina and Pietor. Oh man, Vlad Vlad Vladimich Vladimir Vladimich. There you go. What she said. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, you can you can probably just get away with calling the father Peter. Yeah, that's that is, that's my that's the my same plan. name. Yep. Okay. Uh, Marina and Peter. Um, they're rich landowners in uh, northern Rus. So Russia, a long time ago, when it was ruled by the Khan Empire. Yeah. Yeah. So this would be. This would be like 12th, 12th or 13th century. Yeah. yeah. Which is just like, again, of course, obviously people were alive then, but it's just mm-hmm. wild to me, you know, that yeah. so much was going on. Um, and so Dunya tells them this story. She, uh, she's, you know, explains to them that the girl is sent to marry the frost demon, a.k.a. the Winter King, a.k.a. Karochon, a.k.a. Marosko. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the other things with this book that I struggled with a little bit is everybody has multiple names. Well, they've got their there's a big culture of nicknaming. Oh. So it's like calling instead of calling somebody Nicholas, you call them Nick or you have But it's a completely different word. In Russian, mm-hmm. the way that they truncate um names is a little bit different. Okay. Um like adding a y at the end is very common hmm. um or like or sort of near the middle to make it sound kind of cutesy sounding is very common for it mm-hmm. um yeah <laughs> um and so i think that's just part of one of the things that it, it's hard to that, keep a grasp on unless you're already a little bit familiar you're going wait who is this who is this well and i think that's part of the reason that i couldn't really get into it it, it i not get into it i think it's part of the reason that i couldn't connect to the main character yeah is she was called so many things yes well i mean and then like unless you already know that Sasha is a nickname for mm. Alexander. You're not going to make that connection. I have no idea. I, like, yeah. It, I was, like, <coughs> I was, like, 30 years old when it finally connected in my head that Peggy is a nickname for Margaret. <laughs> I didn't realize that until I started working in medicine. I didn't know that until I was talking about Margaret Atwood with somebody. <laughs> and he referred to her as Peggy, Peggy. Atwood. Mm-hmm. And I went, what? <laughs> Uh, and so, um, she shows bravery, Frost Demon gives her the dowry, like we said. Uh... Other sister goes. <laughs> the other sister goes, and she dies. Yeah. Um... At this time, Marina tells the nurse, the family's nurse, and her husband that she's pregnant again. Mm. And it, her husband makes a comment, you've already fulfilled your duties to me. You've given me three sons mm-hmm. and a daughter. What else do you need to give me? So and he's insinuating that she he, she should terminate the pregnancy. Which Yeah, and Dunya says it too. Yeah. She says, you need to get rid of this right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. because like, it, one gets the impression that she's probably beyond like 
a healthy period for her to have a child. Well, and it says, too, that she's incredibly thin. She's incredibly frail. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, Dunya thinks to herself, once um, things warm up, she'll have her drink any sort of animal milk and, you know, get her, like, fatten up or whatever, yeah. basically. That is something that I really, I, I found very good about this book is that it took a very pragmatic approach to pregnancy yeah which i really wish all of our states could get behind hello texas hello texas anyway and so everybody is basically like you have to get rid of this baby and arena is uh adamant that she is going to have this child she will live through the birth and this child will have the same powers that her mother mother had. Yeah, that's what she says to her husband, is that she's like my mother. She's I like have my to mother. have this child. Yeah. yeah. And throughout the book, like, you kind of understand a little bit more um, as far as, like, what uh, her mother was. So it would be Vasa's grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's never really explained, and I think we'll... Cole will probably learn later, like <laughs> what uh, what her grandmother really was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also stated that like her grandmother came into town on a horse and like bewitched one of the princes. Bewitched much. one of the princes and married married them. And Dunya says that she lost whatever power she had by staying inside the castle. Yes. Um, basically, like, withered away. Yeah. And we get the the feeling that Dunya was also caretaking for her mother once yes, upon a time. It seems like, yeah, because yeah. I think Dunya's been in the family for... Yeah, she, she was. Like she's an heirloom. Old, she gets right? passed down from generation <laughs> to generation. <laughs> That's kind of how it worked, though, in the, like, yeah. the indentured... What is it? Indentured... Um, Labor servants and stuff like that yeah well and i mean that's the thing is that she is working for a good family mm-hmm. and, it's, and she loves this family she loves this family she loves being with them um and it seems like she's got a pretty good life as yeah. far as oh, yeah. like a woman's life goes in this world mm-hmm. and i will get <laughs> into it um but she definitely has narrow margins in which to operate um, Danya, but mm-hmm. you know. Well, and it's also stated too that like um, she can sh- say whatever she wants in this house. Like she can speak to Peter however she wants to. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I really like Danya. Yeah, um, She's, she very much reminds me of the character. What was her name in uh, Spinning Silver? Irina's oh, um, uh, Magra. Mag. Magretta. Uh, was it Magretta? Magretta, yes, yes, yes. yes, yes. Yeah, it reminds me of her, but, like, opposite. Was it Magra? Magra? Yes. Yes, yeah. Magra. Magra, yeah. Okay. Um, she's, they, they ha- occupy a very similar position, mm-hmm. but Magra is very sweet and kind, and Dunya's got a little and fire quiet. in her. Yes. <laughs> yes. And Whereas Dunya just doesn't give a fuck. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> This is also, like, at a time where um, paganism is pretty strong Mm -hmm. and um, Christianity is starting to make its way um, pretty heavily into Russia. I think it's starting to really codify. Yes. I'm I'm getting the impression that I don't know all of the history of the spread of Christianity, but I know that it was, like, it was there 
for a while. It spread through the Romans. I mean, you get a lot of um, a lot of Roman and Greek history in Russia because of just the way that trade routes and societies and empires work. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still there's a cat meowing. <laughs> no, he wants it. Right he now. wants it so bad. <laughs> but but there's still more traditional folk belief. Yeah. And I don't know much about like the specific deities and whatnot, other than like the things that we see in this book. Yeah. Um, or rituals or anything like that. But by and large, when one religion comes into an area, another religion gets kind of pushed out. Yeah. But people will still kind of incorporate certain practices. Yeah, so one thing about this particular home is they do, in this village too, um, Mm -hmm. they make offerings to like the spirit for the horses or like spirit of the hearth. There's like water spirits and blah, 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 blah. I mean, and that's the thing is that like, I don't know if you had this experience, but on one side of my family, I had a very Irish Catholic grandmother and she was through and through Irish Catholic, (laughs) but she was also... Irish, Irish. Like her parents came from Ireland. My my grand great grandmother was pregnant with her when she came to Canada. Oh wow! Um, so they would still leave offerings for the fairies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if, but that's the thing is that she's still Catholic. She still believes all of that, but she still has these like folk beliefs. Mm-hmm. These like maybe the changeling. Su- exactly. And, yeah. Not exactly superstitions, but not exactly not superstitions. It's those old wor- world things that, like, you just can't let go of. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's exactly what's happening here is that they have a church in town, mm-hmm. but there are also these other spirits that yeah. are being left offerings. and. <laughs> sponsorship this week. I wanted to talk to our wonderful listeners about something really cool that we decided to do together, and that is in no way a sponsorship. Please do not think this is a sponsorship. Uh, That is partnering with bookshop.org and becoming one of their affiliates. Um, We started a bookshop.org affiliate site to make all of the books that we talk about on this podcast and all of the ones that are like our special focus and even some of our favorite books easily available in like one stop for all of you. Now, when you shop on bookshop.org, we do get 10% of that sale if you use our affiliate link. And our lovely, wonderful Mary had the brilliant (laughs) idea of using all of that to donate to an amazing cause. This quarter... Mm-hmm. Maybe longer. It depends on how we're feeling about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. We, we may shake it up. But for the time being, we're going to donate everything that we get on our bookshop.org affiliate page to the Trevor Project, which is yay, yay an organization that is near and dear to our hearts and does incredibly good things for the world in general and especially LGBTQIA plus 
youths. Yes. Yes. Uh, if you have a chance, please check out their website. They, I can't tell you enough how amazing their organization is. And once we get bigger and we get more established, uh, established, um, eventually on Patreon, you guys will d- be able to vote and decide where the donations go. Yes. So we, we, it's so exciting. <laughs> um, I know for the time being, I am so happy to be supporting the Trevor Project in whatever mm-hmm. way that we can. And this is just one small way to give back while also supporting the indie shops in your area because bookshop.org partners with independent and small booksellers all across, I think, the United States and Canada, maybe the whole world. Who doesn't love Canada? I love Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Canada. Okay, no, no. Okay. (laughs) No song break? No song break. (laughs) You can find our bookshop.org affiliate site through the description in this episode and our upcoming episodes as well. And then also on our website. You can also (laughs) reach out to us via email. We like that. We want to hear more from you. I know. I love the emails. Thanks for joining us here. Back to the episode. Bye. And so um, Marina, unfortunately, does die um, after she gives birth to uh, Vasa. And I and it's spelled V-A-S-Y-A. Vasya. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and correct <laughs> you. <laughs> uh, so Vasya um, is a rather wild child. Mm-hmm. She's, um, she's kind of gangly, like... Uh, She's very dirty all the time, similar to, um, oh man, Uprooted, the, the girl in Uprooted who's always dirty. Wanda? And, yeah. No, no, no. The main, the main one. Oh, Miriam. Dirty. Yes. Yeah. And Did you, I, oh, not, sorry. Oh I was thinking about Spinning Silver. Spinning Silver. Um, Agnieszka. Agnieszka, yes. Did you ever read Anne of Green Gables? No. I got some, like, super worth your time. Okay. But also actually just watch the netflix series is it worth that it is so beautiful okay, i'll check it out ren and i watched it together and i don't think i've seen ren more devastated about the ending of a series than this one all right i'll it's check it so out it's so good um but it, she gives me some anne of green gables vibes okay you get a little bit of she's very spree free spirited she loves her father loves her brothers mm-hmm. um, and her father only beats her a little that's the thing. Like, uh, uh, so there's sorry, some... Sorry, I had to slide that in there like that. There's some wordings in this book that I had to just take a minute. Because, like, there's, you know, the there's several scenes where, like, people beat her with, like, uh, what do you call them? Like, uh, twitches? Um, switches. Switches. Yeah. But there's one particular scene when the father remarries. And he takes the new wife to bed. Yep. And says something about he really enjoys having um, the youth wrapped around him. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, gross. gross. Yeah. yeah, it's so gross. <laughs> uh, no, there's uh, a lot to dig into for that. But I think that I think that she's doing an important thing when it comes to that. 
she's not trying to romanticize the family or the people. Yeah. And I really appreciate that because a lot of times when you have a story that is like a fantasy story, there's a lot of romanticism that gets thrown in there of mm-hmm. like, oh, and he was perfect and never, he was oh so kind and nobody was ever mean <laughs> and that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. When, especially stories about the past, mm-hmm. we like to like put a filter of you know, happiness over top What's of all of it. What's not acceptable now was totally acceptable back then. It was totally acceptable. Yeah. Well, and, and again, within reason, I don't really know that much about this history period. Please, if you are an expert on it, I appreciate an email. Because um, it's not like Marina and Peter met each other and then fell in love. That was an arranged marriage. Yeah. She's the... Marina was the prince's son. The prince's daughter, daughter not son. <laughs> the prince's the daughter. Other so I mean, she's she has nobility her, of her own. Yeah. And um, but <clears throat> does she really? No, she's a woman. She's a woman. And uh, she's a pawn. Mm-hmm. And exactly. so um, and Peter does talk about like their wedding night and says you know comparing it to when he remarried and it's a very different experience. it is a hugely different experience yeah. where he was saying you know marina you could tell that she was nervous but she was also very feisty and baiting me and goading me and mm. whereas the the new wife just lays there and takes it yeah and i was like oh yeah you can tell what, thing, what which parts of this have been on our minds. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're going into these eddies of things that creep well, us and out. we've bitched about it before, where yeah. it's just like, I know this stuff happened in history where it's just like, you know, you had to have a dowry to marry because yeah. you're such a burden on the other person's family that, mm-hmm. like, you have to bring something with you. See, and that's the interesting thing is that depending on the culture, it might be the other way around. It's, in some places, it's the bride's family that does the paying, and in some places, it's the groom's family that does the paying, because they're pretty much purchasing Buying you. Her. And yeah. so, both of them make me feel icky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I like autonomy. Um, and I <laughs> yeah. really wouldn't prefer anybody that either of my parents would have picked for me. So, <laughs> Well, yeah. So, um, so anyway, uh, Vastia is rather wild. Mm-hmm. Um, always dirty, always getting in trouble, always running off. Yes. Um, Love her. But she she is very close with her older brothers. She's very close with her father. Mm-hmm. She has an older sister at this point, and um, they're kind of close. They live in the same house. <laughs> you can tell that they care about each other, but yeah. they definitely have like a little bit of a rivalry. Mm-hmm. So at this point in the story, uh, she's about six years old. Mm-hmm. And Dunya has made a bunch of honey cakes. <laughs> and um, the she, dangerous temptation. Yes. <laughs> and so she sticks a bunch in, in her her um, sleeve. And before Dunya can stop her, she runs off. Yeah. And she runs into the forest. She ends up getting a little bit lost. And um, she finds this gnarled looking tree with a man sleeping under it Mm -hmm. almost like he's hibernating yeah and it's interesting because in the book it says that she's had a very pampered life so there's no reason for her not to trust anybody Mm -hmm. but yet she fully does not trust this man yeah she feels real weird which i i really appreciated that that insight right yes. because like she has been sheltered she's gotten anything that she's wanted yeah and so um to be fair she does not have a playstation 
That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. So, I want a PS5 so bad. I don't want it. We're going to move on. That's just going to that's gonna start on a whole other tangent for me that has nothing to do with this. Um, I'm sorry. I, I thought I had to bring some levity into it because I wanted to. So she she fi- encounters this man. And honestly, the description of him is, is very interesting. It is. The first thing that comes to mind for me is that it mentions that he has one eye and he's under this tree. Yes. That ostensibly could be an old oak tree. So my my in like knee-jerk reaction was, is that fucking Odin? Like, <laughs> yeah, I know, <laughs> is right? this Odin? Yeah. Because he's, he's a one-eyed man out in the woods. And I know that there was a lot of mythic sharing amongst European cultures and, mm-hmm. I mean, Asi- Asiatic cultures as well. So maybe they're somewhere along the way. I don't know. I'm kind of like, in my head, maybe part of this myth came from the same root story or something that Odin did. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's interesting. That's <laughs> that's where my mind went with it all. Um, that's funny, because that's where I went first. And, oh, yeah. And I was like, but no, this is a Russian tale, so it can't be Odin. But, but you're right that they do share a we, lot of... Literally the day Wednesday is named after the German version of Odin. Really? Yeah, it's Woden. It, there's like oh. a little like on it, but the V sound comes from a W in German. So it's Odin's day is Wednesday. Well, yeah, well I knew like Friday is fa- is uh Frig. Yeah. Frig. Yeah. Yeah. And that like Tuesday is Tuesday, but yeah. um yeah, no, Wednesday oh, the myth of Odin spread throughout Europe with the Vikings. Mm-hmm. So like it's possible that that That's came true. over. That's true. So he has one eye. Uh, the other eye looks like it's been sewn shut. Mm-hmm. And um, half of his face is very scarred, yeah. while the other half um, does look like a, a human man. Yeah. He kind of, what's so good, like is coaxing her to Closer him, to him. Which is so gross. Yeah, Because like, so he's like, come on, little girl, I'm not... I'm over here. I'm fine. You want some puppy and some candy? Come Do you want to get in my van? My fantasy <laughs> van? It's a tree. And so she, she's still really hesitant. And then um, this giant white horse and um, this man show up and tell the the man to go back to sleep. And uh, that it's not his time yet. That it's not his time yet. That's what it was. Oh, yeah. like at that point in the story. The way I read it was like, go to sleep, grandpa. It, it, like, it, it, go, go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. Not this man is a threat to everything else that's going on, which you come to learn a lot more about him later yeah. on. Yeah. And so the white man, or the white man, oh my God, <laughs> the man on the white horse saves her and um, goes back home. And she runs into, like, her brother, tells her brother about it, and, of course, the brother is just like, what men are in the forest? Like, did they touch you? Did they hurt you? Like, you know, he's... He's He's, he's ready to go start stabbing. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, she's fine. Well, and that's the thing, too, is that this is an area that you're not just going to find a person wandering through the forest. No, If you did, they would be dying in the forest. They are also at war with, um what would be the maybe Mongolians yeah because they called them a specific word Khan something like that yeah and um 
Oh, no, it's like a Z, like a Z something. Anyway, oh, I'd no. have to look it back up. But That's fine. So, like, one of her brothers is digging a hole so he can hide in the hole and, and shoot these people yes. if they come on their property. <laughs> yeah. Did you? No, no. I just, I thought there was something... No, it's fine. It's it's not worth it. It's not worth the time. Just keep going. Are you sure? <laughs> yes, I'm absolutely sure. Okay. Because I, let me tell you, y'all, I only have, I have like a page and a quarter of This notes. is very unusual for Mary. Yes. <laughs> Don't worry. I have enough things to okay, say. Okay, <laughs> good. Um, so if I am not going into enough detail, no, just let me know. Right. Yeah, no, no. Um, so the other thing about Vasa, uh, Vastia that I want to say is she can see all of these spirits and she can speak to these spirits, but nobody else can. Yeah. And uh, I think even Dunya at one point tells her to keep that to herself. Yeah. Something about like her mother or something like, or your grandmother saw that too. Keep that to yourself. Yeah. So she sees like a little man in <laughs> yeah. the oven and a little guy. The in heart the... spirit. Yeah. yeah. What was his, do you remember his name uh, at all? Uh, the Domovoy. Yeah. The Domovoy. Yeah. Yeah. And then later there, she meets the, <laughs> this part. I actually really, really enjoyed because it reminded the me. <laughs> it reminded me of the gnome from uh, um, House in the Cerulean. Yes. <laughs> so it's it's this little horse spirit who oh. has like this really long beard. Um, do you want to? No, that wasn't the Rusalka. That was the. Um, uh, I was just pull, pulling up his name. The Rusalka was the lady in the water. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, that was the Vizila. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So he, um, he's just this little, little spirit with this really long white beard. Mm -hmm. And at one point Vasa is explaining to him what a little demon devil thing is. And he's look, goes around in a circle and is looking to see if his pants are on fire and they're not. (laughs) And, um, and he's like, you know, I'm pretty sure I'm not. (laughs) That's not me. (laughs) And so like. It was really nice that these spirits really have their own, like, personality and Mm -hmm. stuff. And I just thought it was just a clever... Yeah. Just a clever aspect. Yes. It's... uh, In a previous episode, we talked about tulpas. Mm -hmm. Um, It was the Mexican Gothic episode. And I get the impression that this operates in much the same way. It's that the Vazila, for instance, is the spirit of, like, the horses or the horse barn or something. And so they are in... Because she wants to have, like, a theoretical or, like, philosophical discussion about, like... But he's like, no, I'm horses. (laughs) I I can't do this. I'm horses. It's fine. Um, and he, yeah, effectively what it is, is that they're like a magical outgrowth of the thing that they represent. They're almost like the avatar of that thing. And the more offerings, the more... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The stronger that they get. Um, and so they kind of take on the characteristics a bit. Mm-hmm. Like the Domovoy is the um, spirit inside of the fireplace or inside of the big oven i would like i associated him with just being like the the house house, uh spirit yeah yeah because he does the mending he does and um and he also like uh um talks to vasa and uh, later on helps her protect the house protects the house yeah yeah but he chills out in the oven yeah which i find (laughs) oh and there's even one for like the baths yes (laughs) there's just like a kind of a pervy one that's 
everyone like, that just looks at you through the steam. Like, leers. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I found him less disturbing than I did the many of the other men oh, in the story. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, he's actively leering at naked women, and, like, the other ones were worse, so. And, I, and there's another part, too, and I can't... Um, I, I'm pretty sure this happens earlier when she's younger, where one of her brothers is fishing, and um, he turns to talk to her, and then he turns back, and all of his fish are gone. Yes. And she tells the water, give it back. That's not yours. You didn't earn it. Mm-hmm. And then all like his whole basket gets flung from yeah. the water. Yeah. She, he's the oldest brother. Yeah. And he's the one who's eventually going to like take things over from the dad when he dies, but... Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we, yeah, we spend a lot of time in her youth Mm -hmm. that I'm not sure we necessarily needed. Yes. Like, I feel like a lot of that could have been... Well, and it's funny because the way that they, she jumps time is in a chapter. So, like, at one point we go from her being six to magically seven years later. And yeah. In the middle of a chapter. Mm-hmm. It's when she's six though, importantly mm-hmm. This like, is important, yeah. There there are a lot of there things are a lot of things happen. that happen and mm-hmm. I think it's kind of a milestone moment. Like her older sister, for instance. Is yeah. this what you're mm-hmm. gonna say? Okay. So in Peter, her dad, um, is scared and convinced that she needs a mother. She needs somebody to help her get in line. Navigate the world. Um, Her older sister needs to be married, and he needs to find a bride for himself, and he needs to find a bride for his two older sons. Yes. So they're going to go to Moscow. Yeah. Um, Was there something else about the older sister? No. No, this is it. This is literally what I was going to get at. And so... uh, I was honestly very surprised during this scene because... I was expecting us to stick with Vasya. Yeah. And I think this is when I started to kind of detach a little bit because mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting to follow Piotr and the boys on their way to Moscow. So the older sister, or the older daughter, is Olga. Mm-hmm. And he is going to Moscow with Sasha, who is also Alexander, mm-hmm. and um, Kolya. They also call him something else I can't remember now. Oh, I can't remember. Um, what else they call Kolya? Yeah. Um, maybe I just... Nikolai? Nikolai. Yes. It would be the... Yes, 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 yeah. yes. Uh, and so once in Moscow, and like we said, this is like a... They're on horseback, so it probably takes about two weeks, I think. Maybe. Yeah. They, so it's they specifically wait for the river to freeze. Freeze. So yes. that they can ride mm-hmm. on the river, which is freaking cool yeah but i yeah nothing happens <laughs> on their travels no. there they're just tired and grumpy and so kolia um doesn't really he's always been the more devout of all the kids yeah he's very serious he's very serious um no no it's sasha is it sasha it's sasha okay. yeah sorry <clears throat> no you're because fine. she's so sad when her brother sasha leaves yes yes yes, yes. so um so once in Moscow, there's also a lot See, of. This like, is how it, how easy it is to mix it up. Like yeah. I'm usually really good at I keeping know, characters. Yeah, <laughs> and yet, and I just trying to explain this book is also really hard because there's a lot of characters that are important for a moment but not important later. Yes, and it, anyway. So um, once they get to Moscow, there's also a lot of political things that are happening. Yeah. The current crown prince wants to make sure his own son 
um, who's still a child, will be safe to rule when he dies, and he doesn't want anybody to be able to usurp him. Yes. So he decides to marry him off to Olga, which is Pieter's oldest daughter. Yeah. And this is all, like, the Metropolitan's idea. Mm-hmm. And the Metropolitan is a m- another one of these characters that's very important for a minute, and then nothing... Like we have, we have him as a point of view character yes. for a hot second, yes, and then he never comes back up. And, afterward. and he may come back up in in the series in the in the other two books. And in this, uh, Metropolitan is a specific. I had to look it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a specific role that it's like a really high up priest who serves in government is effectively what it is. I took it as a religious advisor. Yeah, that throne. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it, he puts <clears throat> the idea of doing this. Yes, in the prince's head. Not only this idea, but he also puts in the crown prince has what they call a mad daughter. Anna, or Anna, because she can see spirits, talk to spirits, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Or as she calls them, demons. Yes. She's um, very Christian. Mm -hmm. And she's like she's so devout probably because she sees these things yes and yeah. so she spends a lot of time at the church and she's in the capital hidden away too because yeah. she is she's like i said in in the in that kingdom they consider her mad well on the on the one hand, it makes a lot of sense. Oh, like yeah. She doesn't bathe herself because she doesn't want yeah. the bath spirit to leer at her because mm-hmm. she can see that. And then she's she talks to them, too, and tries to mm-hmm. get them to go away so people see her as talking to herself. Yeah. Honestly, I was... At this point of the book, I was really rooting for Anna. I was, too. I and was, she just turns out to be so fucking horrible. She turns out to be wretched. Yes. Because um, I was like, oh, so her and Vesta can see these things. Like, yeah. they'll be able, they'll connect. They can bro bomb. down. No. No. She becomes a harridan. Oh, God. So basically, the prince also decides to solve that problem with Anna by marrying her to Pieter because they're going to go back to the northern woods mm-hmm. of Russia anyway. So yeah. she would be very far away from all of the yeah. people in in the castle and, and whatnot and in the government. Yeah. And importantly, like, this prince is the, the most important person in the country. Um, he's a prince because they are part of an empire and there's a con that they report to. Um, so, but he's effectively like the king. He's in charge of everything. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's, and Piotr has a relationship with him already because Marina is his, his first wife, the one who died. See, it's already so confusing. There's so many people. So many people. Yeah. Marina was uh, his sister. Yeah. So they're already connected. Mm-hmm. So it is completely like within a reasonable step yeah. that the prince would do this. Mm-hmm. So. And so Peter, like, he's not sure if this is really a good thing that, you know, like, essentially the king wants him to marry his sister. Mm -hmm. And so he's he's like, you know what, I need a new mom for my daughter. We're just going to do it. Let's let's make it happen. And it's not like he could say no. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, this is the part that I was talking about earlier where he compares his wedding night to Marina versus Anna and... You know, Anna's very timid and is crying most of the time, and <sighs> and um, like I don't care what I don't care either. I don't care what time period you're in. I don't care what, like any of that. If 
you are engaging sexually with a partner and they are crying, don't do it. Stop it. <laughs> Unless and that's part of it and you well, have consented to it. Completely. And I, I can tell, like, you know, Marina, like, he goes and says that, like, you know, they were baiting each other and she's flirting with him most of the night and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so by the time of the end of the night, like, they really wanted each other and all this stuff. And, you know, at this time, like, they just have a dinner with a lot of these folks that are already there. And then it's he, very much a rush job. Very much. And very much. um, and then he takes her off to consummate the, the marriage. And. Yeah. It's, you know, it talks about, like, she's crying, and yet, you know, he... And we get it all from his perspective. Yes, and where, you know, he loves Marina, but he he's glad to find some pleasure in this youth wrapped around him. Blech. And I was just like, Bleh. And it, this is one of the people that you're rooting for. Yes. He's like, he's like a good guy? Mm-hmm. But is he, it's though? Gross. It's, it's gross. It's really gross. And meanwhile, his, his other son, his second son, mm-hmm. Sasha, yep. is has heard a rumor. Mm-hmm. Oh, you look like you have something in the chamber for this. No, I just... So he... So while in Moscow, Sasha is a devout Christian, and he he sees, like, almost like a... I don't want to say, like, a Christian zealot, but a... How would you describe him? Like, a monk? Yeah, like a very well-known monk who... He... he Here's rumor that there is a monk who's performing miracles. Yes, there and we go. So I think he's making the logical leap that this may be a future saint, yeah, which is, and he wants to follow him and and um, join this. Um, what do you call it? Like a monk monastery? <laughs> monk? No. <laughs> monastery. Monastery. Monk-tum. I even wrote monastery. <laughs> I like monkdom better. I like monkdom better. I do too. I think I would. Can I know? I probably not monasteries are always. They're just gonna be called monkdoms. Yeah, yeah. Okay. monastery was like so. Yes, fourteenth century. Yeah. Fourteenth. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh my god! I love it. Um. So he wants to join the monastery, and yeah. and his dad is pissed, and he's like, "You're not gonna get your inheritance. You won't get anything." Yeah. Like. Um, you know, all of this stuff, and he still wants to do it. So his father agrees that he can in one year, and he cannot see that priest yes. until the one year. So, And he makes a statement that I thought was really interesting to mm-hmm. his son. He says something to the point of, um, when you make this decision in a year from now, I don't want your head filled with all of his words. I want it to be your decision. See, and I think that's great. I thought that was amazing. Like, here's the thing. I... I'm fascinated by cults. And oh, me too. Oh my me god. Too. Yeah. I'm so fascinated by cults. The, like, none of us are immune to propaganda. Oh, I would join a cult oh in a minute without knowing it was a cult. I would stop. And then you. once I found out that it was a cult, I'd be like, well, I'm in it now. Uh, no, I am fascinated by cults. And honestly, like, a charismatic leader can get people to do a lot of stuff. Let's just gesture wildly at history and <laughs> look at all of the charismatic leaders. Um, but I did, I did like the, after a year, you can still make that decision, but it has to be your decision. Oh, I really liked that. I think that, honestly, that's solid parenting. I think so, too. Like, if your kid decides that they want to run off and pursue, like, a life in religion, fine. Cool. Support them. This is a wise way to go about that. Like, yeah. Give them time to get their head clear. Give yeah. them time to get, have one more summer at home. 
Well, not only that, but you might see something else shiny and go for that. Like boobs. Yeah. <laughs> like boobs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Speaking of, it's it's been very clear that he is he is not winning with the ladies in Moscow, but his older oh, brother his is. his brother is killing it. Is killing it. Yeah. And he's like kind of courting a girl while they're there and then... But she's not super interested because she her eye like falls on somebody else, which we'll talk about in just a second. Yeah. Um, and he is like he just kind of sadly goes and throws himself amongst the, the other women in yeah. Moscow. So, so when they're in Moscow, uh, there we we have a new point of view character pop up for a hot second, who is like strange, and he has a horse. And people talk about how he comes from out of town and he doesn't have a beard, which is really strange. And he only comes in winter. And he only comes in winter time. And he buys stuff and he brings goods from like places that nobody could like ever hope, get to. Ever get to. Yeah. <laughs> like he brings stuff from, you know, more than a mile away. So things that these people have never seen. Mm-hmm. And um, eventually he gets through one thing or another he gets drawn into the dinner that is happening for Piotr and his new wife and he is looking for something this entire time he's looking for someone specifically this entire time yeah and he doesn't know like he's listening to the wind yeah he it's like he knows that there's something he's supposed to be coming across but he's not sure exactly what it is and you you keep coming back to the word her. Yeah. He's looking for, for her, her, but he doesn't know who she is. Or the witch. Or Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. He's looking for a witch. So he's <clears throat> at this dinner, and Pyotr and his sons show up, and he recognizes something in the boys' eyes. Mm-hmm. And then he goes, them. That one. Yep. Over there. <laughs> and he starts, of course, flirting with this random woman that's at the table, which is the lady that the oldest son was interested yep. in. And then she, like, completely snubs him, the son, for this new mysterious guy. Well, even Peter sees him and um, is very weary of, of like, about him. Mm-hmm. and um, But then just kind of forgets about him. Yeah, exactly. And is focused on, like, you know, his wedding dinner. Yeah, exactly. And so when they're getting ready to leave the next... Is it the next morning? It's or the next like, morning. Yeah, so, like, shotguns don't exist, but this is a shotgun wedding. <laughs> like, this is very much... The crown prince wants his daughter out. Out, yes. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that there are some There's also things. some other political stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. But I honestly... I don't care. <laughs> but it was also not finished in the story no and it, it carries uh, on i think into the sequels yeah so i don't really want to get into something that i can't give like a yeah satisfying end to um but the next morning they're getting everything together and kolya is drunk off of his ass still still from the <laughs> night before <laughs> like you know it's a good party mm-hmm. if you're still drunk in the a.m. And so his father's like looking at him and judging him a bit, going, how is my kid still this drunk, you know? And this dude shows up, the same dude from the night before. Mystery man. Mystery man, and starts petting Piotr's horse. And 
Kolya decides to take issue with it because he's still drunk. He feels like this guy like totally slighted his dad. It was totally slighted him too the night oh, before yeah, by flirting with, with the girl. girl. Mm-hmm. And now he's like, "How dare you touch my dad's horse?" Which there's a lot going on with people touching horses. Yeah. In this book, there's specifically one scene yeah. that I, I can see in Mary's eyes already about like. If I ever thought somebody could turn their gaze into lasers, it would be you. <laughs> so you almost shot a laser. I just have a lot of issues with um, the innuendo of what I would assume would be, like, manhood. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's there's a lot of toxic masculinity there in we this go. That's what it um, is. book. And I think that, by and large, this book like is critiquing that. Yeah, I agree. Um, which I'll get into a little bit more. <clears throat> but long story short, this guy shows up, touches the dad's horse. Kolya decides to make it a problem and, like, effectively goes and, like, tries to tell him off. Insults him. Insults him. And then in, like, a blink of an eye, this guy has him by the throat. With, an, gonna, uh, knife. with a knife. Yeah. And... Um, Piotr realizes that there is a problem happening and everybody else seems to kind of disconnect. It's sort of like the world just revolves around the two of them having this conversation. Even Kolya doesn't really seem to realize what's going on, even though he's got a fucking knife to his throat. So it's like they've entered bullet time, the two of them. Yeah, it's like a really weird... um... It's almost like one foot in the, like, magical realm and one foot in this realm. Yeah. Yeah. And so everybody that's in, like, the human realm can't really see what's happening. Yeah. And this man tells Piotr that the only way that he'll save, uh, or not kill Kolya is if he takes this gem back to his daughter. To his youngest mm-hmm. daughter and gives it to her. It's like a necklace. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, he'll only save Kolya if Pieter gives Vasa the jeweled... Um, it's almost like a talisman. Yeah. Necklace. And... Uh, talisman is what Danya calls it later on. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because... Yeah. And I was like, well... And I, I did look this up because I, I didn't realize it. But because he was such a, like... He's obviously a nobleman of some sort because, you know, his stuff is um, engraved in gold and, like, you know, he has a very, like, uh, aristotical, like, air about him, this mystery man. And because he was insulted, he has the right to kill Kolya. Gross. And I didn't understand this, and so I looked it up, and it was... And it wasn't only, like, a Russian thing, like, it was, you know, a British thing or whatever, but, like, in social hierarchy, if you were higher up, any sort of insult on you, your family, your name, anything... Could end in capital punishment. Yes. Which I was just like... uh, uh, Yeah. But what you find offensive may not be offensive to somebody else. But, I mean, insults and honor and all of that jazz was such a different thing. Huge, huge thing. It's a huge thing. When you have social currency Mm -hmm. as as your only, like, stake in the world. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, social currency. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And so um, Peter agrees, and the man tells him that he cannot tell anybody else um, about this encounter. He actually wipes the memories of everybody else that was there. Yeah, and he tells him that if he tells anybody... Anybody, he will come back and kill his son. Yeah. And which, at that part, I was like... But the one thing that I really enjoyed was that when he was doing the math there, mm-hmm. he asked, like, the mental arithmetic of how to get himself out of the situation, he asked this guy if he was going to hurt his daughter. And the guy's like, no, I'm not going to hurt your daughter. And it was literally, he was saying, he, he, he thought, I would not, I don't want my son to die, but... I would let it happen. If it saved my daughter. If it saved my daughter. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. Like, it fuck you, Kalia. That shit's more but important. But it was such a weird... But Weird isn't, right, isn't, isn't the right word. It was such an interesting phrasing... Yes. ...that you didn't feel bad for Kalia. No. Yeah. I, I honestly don't <clears throat> care about Kalia much. But I don't either. <laughs> I really loved Sasha. I really loved <laughs> Sasha. I, I, I loved... I loved Sasha and what was the star oh, brother? Um, um, the uh, Al- Alexi. Alosha. Ali- uh, Alosha. Alyosha. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that's another kid that comes up later. <laughs> so <gets> better <laughs> later on. He was the one that was digging the hole, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love him. I love their relationship. Yeah. Me yeah. too. Um. And so uh, he he agrees and um, kind of puts it in his pocket. And so, um, once they return home, Anya gets worse with, like, her crying and talking to herself because the old ways are so prevalent out in the North that, like, these there are more spirits, spirits, there's more of them. And yeah. they're everywhere. Except for in Except the church. the church. Yeah. And so she finds, like, her, uh, she finds the church is, like, you know, her safe haven basically and she spends as much time in there as she possibly can she's very um cold to all the rest of the kids she's cold to dunya um she's especially cold to vasya she even in the beginning before she found out that vasya could see Mm -hmm. um these spirits and stuff like her it, it, it there's there was always animosity there she didn't i think on the one hand I think that she didn't approve of what was going, like, how she acted. On the other hand, I can't help but think maybe she was a little jealous. Dunya? No, no, no. Um, of Vasya. Oh, yeah. That Vasya got to have this kind of carefree childhood, and she's, like, haunted by yeah. all of this stuff. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's actually true. I didn't really think about it this like was, that. I did that mental gymnastics specifically because at this point I still was like, no, Anya's going to be fine. Everything. She's going to be a great character. And then she turns out to suck. Yeah, she sucks. Um, Olga, if you don't remember, was the other daughter. Yes. <laughs> um, she's married off and goes to live in Moscow. Um, she tells Vasya that she can come and join her when she's grown. Yeah. Um, and she she specifically is married well. Oh, like, yeah. She's, very well. She's married very well as part of the prince's plan to keep his, his line in power. Yeah. It's kind of a whole thing. Mm-hmm. But she becomes a princess, which Pretty is much. great. Yeah. And she tells Vasya that when she's old enough, she will send for her and, mm-hmm. and they'll have adventures in Moscow together. Yeah. And so she leaves. Vasya is devastated oh, by it, too. Devastated. Yeah. And, like, I, lo- I honestly love that because I love, I love children being sad, obviously. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 
<laughs> so kidding. No, I love that they have a com- uh, like a little bit of a complicated relationship because it seems like they're very cold to each other. Mm-hmm. But then as the wedding is approaching and as she's starting to really realize that her sister is going to leave her probably forever, she may never see her sister again because that's just how travel works here. Yeah. Especially if you're a woman, then you're never going to see your sister again. She's yeah. devastated by it. Mm-hmm. I just, that, and see, that's another thing that uh, is privilege for me, because I'm, I'm a white woman, but um, I just have never considered, like, oh, this other sibling of mine, my sister, I when she gets married, I'm just never going to see her again. Just never. Because she's somebody else's property. Well, like, consider, consider the other women in your ancestry. I don't know if there are any... I don't have any sisters or any female cousins. But I mean, like, great-grandmothers or something. Um, For instance, I mentioned earlier my grandma um, was born in Canada, Mm -hmm. but she was conceived in Ireland, um, which is the grossest sentence I've ever said. Uh, But my my great-grandparents, when they left Armagh, they were like, okay, bye, we may never see you guys again. Mm -hmm. This is like a huge boat trip we're taking that may kill us. <laughs> yeah. Flight doesn't exist yet. <laughs> That's so. true. Well, I mean, it existed, but... Not yeah. on a commercial scale. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, part of the reason that Olga is married off and goes to live in Moscow so quickly after Peter gets married is the crown prince um, passes away. Yeah. And um, it gives... It's two, It starts kind of three things. So... First thing being, Olga's married off, um, becomes a princess as soon as humanly possible. Yes. The even it's to wanted avoid, like a power a vacuum or usurp yeah. thing. Um, well, and <laughs> they and, wanted it consummated. Yes. The what? Did, what is the that guy called again? Dimitri. No, the um, Metropolitan. The Metropolitan. Yeah. He specifically says that um, it needs to be consummated before they get back to the palace. Specifically, I think it's so that there's no question, no potential of the marriage being annulled or it being invalidated by her death or something. Okay. So it has to be completely valid. Okay. Um, So if something happens to her on the trip, then he is a widower, not like... Oh, I see. Yes. So, but one of the things that's really gross and creepy is that she's 14. Like, she's 14 Mm -hmm. years old. And he's like 12. Yep. He's a child. So is she. (laughs) They're both... If you are under 18, you're a child. No, I know that. But in the medical world, at 16, you actually... That's not true. In Depending on the state, as young as 13, you can choose to um, uh, essentially have, like, your own um, sessions with your doctor. No parents in there. So you, like, gain physical autonomy in a different way. At 13, yeah. That's interesting. And even though your parents pay the bills, they have zero rights to see any documentation or hear or do anything as to what you are doing with your doctor. Amazing! Even if medication is involved, as a parent, you still don't have the right to know or get any sort of info about it. Mary, I feel like this weird sense of relief <laughs> knowing that like i think in oregon i think it's 15 that wow. you can have your own sexual autonomy 
um, as far as your health is concerned. Interesting. <laughs> that still doesn't make me comfortable but. with child marriage, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, me neither, but at least now, like, yeah. you know, you can, at that you, young of an age, you can start to be your own person and make your own decisions yes about your body yeah i think (laughs) i don't know what the age of consent is because honestly the people who talk about ages of consent that most states the age of consent is 16 that's still so young in the south there are some states that still have the age of consent younger than oh your face younger than 13 I think there's one state that still has age of consent at 11. That's horrifying to but me. I'm, and I'm not 100%. It could have changed by the time I was out of school. But that when I was in school at one point, there was some state that had an age of consent at like 11 or 13. That was gross. Ew. And yeah. it was a southern state. I literally, the only <clears throat> thing I cared about when I was 11 was Pokemon. <laughs> I mean, s- still now, but I know what my vulva <laughs> is. Like, Yeah. And that's not a Pokemon. <laughs> it's not a Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. It can catch them all, though. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've already told you the horrific story of when I found out what periods were. So Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. But the, that's the thing, is that a 14-year-old... Uh, yeah. Being forced into a political marriage as with, a princess, as like, a princess, whoa, whoa, and so you think maybe you'll follow Olya um, to see what happens with her life? Mm-hmm. No, no, we don't. You hear later that maybe she has had some kids and she's fat and happy. I mean. Uh, that's all you can wish yeah. if she wants children and she has them. And she did Excellent. say that she wants her own family. She wanted ten sons. So she's living a high life. Yep. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, and so she's married off, goes to Moscow. Um, the other thing that this triggers is Sasha sees another reason to leave and join the, what did I call it? The monk, the monkdom. <laughs> the monkdom. <laughs> the monkdom. Um, so he can protect the new young crown prince um, in a Christian setting. Yes. Which I was like, ooh, that's so gross. Like, not that Christianity is gross. What I'm saying is he wants to do it specifically so the crown prince follows Christianity. Yeah, there was a lot of indoctrination there. See, Mm -hmm. and again, Christianity inherently is not gross. No. It is not something that is reviling. It is indoctrination of Mm -hmm. any religion that Mm is um, icky and gross. Again, love cults. Yeah. So, um, uh, Peter gives the necklace to Janya, explains to the nurse that um, Vasya has to wear it. She has to keep it by her. Keep it by her at all times. Mm -hmm. Um, Danya asks why and, like, what happened, and Peter doesn't say anything. He just says, this is what you need to do, and you're going to do it, because this is my house and my (laughs) land, and you're in my home. (laughs) This is the only time that he ever takes, like, a firm line. Yes, yeah. Yeah. And, And she even, like, remarks on how he's speaking to her. And, um, and she recognizes it as a talisman and does not give it to Vasya and just decides to keep it with her instead. And, and she, um, she goes to, to sleep Mm -hmm. that night and, and, uh, has a dream. She's visited by the, the interesting rich man. Yes. With the long, dark hair and no beard. And the white horse. (laughs) Yes. And, um, he's very angry and wants to know why she has stolen the gift, 
that he is given to Vasa. Mm-hmm. And she explains that like she's not she's not stealing it she's just hanging on to it and um, she's, she's too, too young to wear something like that. She says something to the effect of she's too young for like the responsibility the responsibilities of, of it the or, old tales. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. She's too young for the responsibility of the old uh, the old ways. Yes. is what it was. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so they kind of make a bargain that, um, she will keep the talisman with her. She will look after Vasya Until she's of age. Until she is of age. Yes. And, um, and so, uh, she, uh, is going to hang on to the necklace once Vasa becomes a woman. Mm-hmm. I kind of, like, I just wrote, life went on until Vasa magically turned 16. <laughs> half a paragraph. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just said life goes on until Vasa is yeah. magically 16. Yeah. She continues. Sasha does go and join yes. the monkdom. Yes. And, <laughs> um, and she continues to talk to spirits who teach her things like um, to talk and to how to talk to horses and ride them. Yes. Which is so interesting to me that yeah. like. And she, this is where you also meet that the horse spirit yeah. that. I thought was really Vizila. cute. Yeah. I love him. Um, and I think maybe that is a good place to stop this episode. I think so, because yeah. we're about to meet the other big character. Yeah, the oh. um, the priest guy that's coming up. Yeah, Batyushka. Yes. He's a, so, he's a whole thing. So he's I wanted thing. to talk to you about something okay. before we wrap this up. Well, I have a small rant as well. Oh, good. We, I guess we both have a small rant. Let's do it. Let's both rant. You start. <laughs> so Mary's My rant... Guess. Is so by now, you should know me well enough that like words need to mean what they mean. <laughs> and um, I part of the other reason that I struggled with this book, and I mentioned it earlier, was there's so many different names for one thing. Yes. And she goes back and forth between mm-hmm. using like the English word, using the Russian word, mm-hmm. using the um, fantasy word. And so a couple of the things that um, took me off of the book was, so it's supposed to be like a Christian religion, and um, she refers to the priests as brothers, she refers to them as priests, and then she refers to them as... Batyushka. Batyushka. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is, and this wasn't as bad because it's territory. So like Rus, I can totally understand that that's a territory. Yeah. But she calls it Rus. She calls it Russia. She calls it um, the northern the, the northern voyeurs, voyeurs or something. Yeah. Is it voyeurs? I voyeurs. Think? Oh, and um, <clears throat> and and then later on we'll meet another horse, and um, his name is is Solvia. But he also is the Nightingale, but he's also, like, two other names. Yeah. And then um, the there were a couple of, um, what would you call them? Like, entities? Like, mm-hmm. vampires and um, there's, like, a... Umpir. Yes, <laughs> yeah. And then um, there's also, like, a like a water nymph of some sort and... Usalka. Uh, yes, thank you. <laughs> and... Um, and so, like, I really, like, seeing those Russian words were really cool to see, like, what those were But they're also, referred like, to, they but throw you out if you don't know what they much, mean. Because I don't, because, like, you know, she's talking and, and I'm, I'm expecting, oh, okay, they're going to talk about 
this vampire, you know, character, this this spirit or whatever, mm-hmm. but then she calls it a completely different word, yeah. and then I have to go back and be like, oh no, she is talking about the same. That was a character. minor spoiler, by the way, for next week. Well, there's yes. a vampire. By now, if you don't know that this is a spoiler friggin' podcast, <laughs> very loaded. <laughs> but I think that was that's just my my little rant is if if you're going to write a story like. Yeah. Words to me are important. And they need to be accessible. They need to be accessible, and yep. they need to like. If you're gonna go back and forth like that, then I think you need to add something that tells the reader that you're still talking about the same person. Yes. Yes. Again, and I I absolutely agree. I think it's totally fine for books to have language elements in it. Oh yeah. Um, but. <sighs> This just was harder. I, I think it either needed more or less. Like, there are some books, like, I, I, the first thing that comes to mind is A Clockwork Orange. Yeah. Where there's this jargon that's so heavily influencing every part of the, the thing that you just have to throw yourself in, like, fully to the book. But for this one, it's so difficult because there's, like there's a lot of name play because there are nicknames there are like pet names being given by different people mm-hmm. and names are also relational um so you know the prince might be referring to his daughter in a different way than peter is referring to his wife even though yeah. they're the same person mm-hmm. so like he would call her anna ivanovich or what have you mm-hmm. um ivanovich not ivanovich I added a whole extra syllable in there. But that's exactly the thing is that I have I have a background with Russian. Yeah. So I think that it was like less jarring for me because I know and how I to make zero background. Yeah. Like for instance, when we were going, well, what was Kolya's name? I know that Kolya is a nickname for Nikolai. So And I had no idea. And like when you find out that Sasha's a a nickname for Alexander, yeah. like where? Why? <laughs> like, how does yeah, that work? <laughs> it's just it's just how nicknames work sometimes. That is that is too funny. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that was my my one little rant. I think it's frustrating for mm-hmm. sure. I, I, I am glad that there is a glossary at the end to help with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and there's also um, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but there's an author note at the end that says that even she. Uh, when she was translating, didn't really translate correctly. She tried to anglicize some things. So, yeah. like, the spellings are a little bit different. Like, Dimitri isn't necessarily always spelled that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would not have been spelled that way at the time. Um, but I also think that there's enough... Fan- if, if I'm going to draw my line at how Dimitri is spelled, but I'm going to be like, yeah, no, there's a water nymph. Yeah, I'm, no, I, I know. I have other issues, you know? <laughs> uh, so what was your rant? My rant? I'm going to talk about feminism. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Because there's, there's a lot that I didn't go into. Oh my god. And that's fine. Honestly, there's a lot in this book that I don't think is necessarily worth our like our audience's time yeah. going into but the this book does a really good job at showing how limited the options are for women at the time yeah. um and in this society obviously in different societies across the world women's rights have been uh widely different than what they are now 
Um, yes, there have been what we consider more progressive societies in different time periods, um, but this is kind of the height of when I would not want to be a time traveler because I would be drowned as a witch. Um, yeah, and that's always a thing that, like, when I, people talk about time travel and they want to go backwards, and I'm like, you're a straight white male, aren't you? Exactly! Exactly! <laughs> I, am, I am a mouthy, AFAB queer person. That is not going to turn out well for long. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So, the thing that I really want to talk about is that like this is this is like the 12th, 13th, 14th century, something around there. This is pre-Columbus. Fuck that guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is also notably pre-feminism. Yeah. So the the first like stirrings of feminism in Europe and like the the quote unquote Western world um, really started in the 18th century with Mary Wollstonecraft, who riddle you this, I will give you 10 US American dollars if you can tell me who is Mary Wollstonecraft's daughter. Florence Nightingale. No, cool guess though. <laughs> nice. Well, I was like, who's, who was like, but she was, I mean, she was very feminist. Yeah. Anyway. Her, Mary Wollstonecraft wrote this incredible book called A Vindication on the Rights of Women, talking oh. about how women should have equal education, yeah. equal opportunity, and this was in the 1700s. Oh, definitely not Florence Nightingale. No, definitely not. But still, I love that you went for it. <laughs> um, no, but her daughter wrote a book as well. It's this little thing you might have heard of called Frankenstein. Um, Mary Shelley? Mary Shelley. That was my second guess. Oh my god, no really? Shit. No yeah. shit? Amazing. Maybe you actually just knew it somewhere in the back of your head. I, that's possible. Entirely the possible. The amount of history shit yeah. I watch and listen to. <laughs> yeah, Mary Shelley. <laughs> Uh, the creator of science fiction. Um, her mom was an OG feminist, like oh, original. I love it. She is so cool. Oh, that you know, it's that actually explains uh, quite a bit about Mary Shelley. Oh my God! Well, her her mom died when she was like a few months old. Yeah, no, I know, and, but just like the the. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Mary right. Shelley is a person I could go into yeah, for a oh, while. Yeah, like yeah. she's. This is an apocryphal story, but it's one of my favorite stories, so I'm going to repeat it, and hopefully I, hopefully it's true. Rumor has it she and Percy Shelley, who would be her later husband, her um, maiden name was Godwin, so Mary Godwin became Mary Shelley when she married Percy Shelley, who is a twat. Um, shocking. Shocking. I mean, he was fine when it came to, like, anarchism and stuff, but there's... Better writing. Yeah. He wasn't an okay poet, but she is amazing. Like, she was 18 when she wrote Frankenstein, which is just... bored as fuck. Yeah, she was, <laughs> she was hanging out with him and Byron yeah. in freaking Switzerland. What yeah. else are you going to do? But long story short, rumor has it they had sex on her mother's grave. Like, that she lost her virginity on her mother's grave, which is the most goth thing I've ever heard of in my life. That's so fucking metal. It's so metal. She's so metal. Um, but yeah, so that, that that was the beginning of what we call kind of first wave feminism. Mm -hmm. But first wave feminism really didn't even get started until the 19th and 20th century. Really? Yeah. Like, that's, like, really recent. <laughs> it's And first wave feminism was like, let's have equal rights. Let's be able to vote. Women's suffrage is, like... The women's right yeah. to vote didn't yeah, yeah. happen until the early 
1900s. Like, less than 100 years... Well, actually, almost exactly 100 years ago. It was 1921. Wow, that blows my mind. Isn't that incredible? Mm -hmm. And then second wave feminism, which is really about gaining social equality. So having, like, the same wages, which we still don't have. Um, (laughs) That kind of thing came out in, like, the 60s, 70s. You know, you have the the idea of the burning of the bras, Mm -hmm. having liberation of the self and like the same sort of social status as a man so being able to get the same jobs being able to get the same recognition being able to have your own fucking bank account not needing your husband or your father to be there when you get birth control being able to get a no-fault divorce those sorts of things are things that feminism brought us um all beautiful beautiful things then there was third wave feminism that came around in like the 70s late 70s 80s into the 90s and that's much more intersectional and like less about like women's political power like the first one and then the second one was like more about like sexuality and autonomy this was more about like individualism how you can form yourself as a single woman like how womanhood is yeah but that is within my mother's lifetime yeah that that before that started and after that is kind of coming to its conclusion a lot of scholars think that like we're sort of entering a fourth wave of feminism which is fantastic i myself included i would assume that like the me too movement would be the fourth start of that wouldn't it yeah there's yeah but it's one of those things that when you're when you're in a scholarly field describing it in the moment doesn't Mm. really work you need to have it like a little bit of separation so it's going to be like five ten years down the line that we're really going to be able to examine the impact of it and that's how you define a wave of something of social change in any case um the a couple of things that i found interesting for this book was that there's this incredible quote by one of my favorite early feminists, Virginia Woolf. You may have heard of her. She had this, uh, one of her works is called A Room of One's Own. um, And it's about women's lives. And she writes, the history of men's oppression to women's emancipation is more interesting, perhaps, than the story of that emancipation itself. So why are men so pissed that we want autonomy? And it makes me think about all of the men in this book. Yeah. Because they want somebody there making their bread. They want somebody there to young their to wrap their young bodies around them. They want that. There's the the reason why they're opposing it is because it threatens their power. Yeah. And their means of life. Like if you asked any of those boys to bake a loaf of bread, do you think they would even know how to approach it? No. Exactly. But that's because <coughs> a woman's life has been circumscribed around men mm-hmm. their entire time. Second fun quote from The Female Eunuch by Germaine Greer, talking about women's liberation, which wouldn't happen for another seven centuries-ish from when this is supposed to be said, is liberation will not happen unless individual women agree to be outcasts, eccentrics, perverts, and whatever the powers that be choose to call them. And that's what we're kind of getting in Vasya. Mm-hmm. We're getting a woman who's embracing all of these, like, like characteristics that have people calling her a witch. Yeah. Have her, like, yeah. her life being threatened because people think of her as an outcast. 
And if you'll let me, I have a couple of her quotes. Well, of course. That I really... I know I've been ranting for a long time, but... You haven't? It's been, like, five minutes. So, Dunya... Dunya says about her, Mm. just to keep her safe, the only thing that will keep her safe after the Winter King is coming around is that she must have a husband because her life is so... Vasya's life is so dependent on the protection of a man. There's literally no other way. Um, which is just absolutely horrifying. And a mere couple of pages later, when she's being told kind of her options in life, she says, when she realizes that she's either going to go to a convent or get married herself, this is going to happen very soon in the book. I promise I'm not spoiling too much. Uh, She says, you're right. I am foolish. I was born for a cage after all. Convent or house. What else is there? Because there's literally no other options for women's lives. You can either be a nun or a wife. There is nothing else. That's it. And that's how, how, like, that's how it has been for centuries for many, many women. I was I was considering not reading this one because it's so much later in the book, but I think it's probably the most like ardent stance that she takes. She says, "All my life I've been told go come. I am told how I will live, and I am told how I must die. I must be a man's servant and a mare for his pleasure, or I must hide myself behind walls and surrender my flesh to a cold, silent god." I will walk into the jaws of hell itself if it were a path of my own choosing. I would rather die tomorrow in the forest than live a hundred years of the life appointed to me. And I love that. It's so powerful. Like this is like a medieval woman just like embracing her autonomy and reviling against the system that's telling her how she needs to live. And it's so powerful. Yeah. 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 My favorite part of the book. Well, and I do love that um, she kind of just, and we cover more about this in the second half, but she is just like, I don't want to be married and I I don't want to be stuck in one place. I don't want to go to a convent. She doesn't want to go to a convent. She doesn't have kids. Like, that's the other thing is she doesn't, she doesn't. She doesn't want to marry anybody. She doesn't want to even be with the the Winter King. Yeah. She's terrified of the idea of giving birth. Yeah. Of being a mother. Which, I mean, in Spinning Silver, we had that yeah. same sort of thing. Yep. You see Wanda having those same thoughts. And it's... And ugh. Wanda says that she doesn't want to get married because she doesn't want to have somebody owning her body. Yeah. Yeah, and that's exactly <coughs> what we see here. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she takes such a like a strong stance about just having her own agency and having her own autonomy. I think it's so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. So that's my little rant. Uh, What I'm saying is we needed feminism centuries before we had it. And um, sometimes, and, and I don't know if I'm the only person that does this, but like sometimes I will just daydream about what our world would look like if equality had always been there from the beginning. Oh my God, you are so... And I'm not just talking about, like, binary male-female, but I'm talking about, like, you know... Racial equality. Racial, like, gay, like... uh, You know, like, if if women were able to own property and run kingdoms the same as men... Yeah. Like, you know, where where would we be? Yeah. Well, I mean, like, you look at the characters in this book. Anna, for instance, like... There are still states that don't have laws against marital rape. 
Yeah. She obviously was not interested in having sex with him. But she also says that that's her duty. And that is internalized. Oh, I know. Like, like that's just part that of is, the society. But yeah. it's just, it's just awful. Yeah, it's awful. It's Ugh. absolutely anyway. awful. But in any case, I think we, what we live in is a miraculous time, and we have a lot of people who um, don't think that feminism is important, and or uh, thinks that there's that we have everything that we need, nope. like that it's equal, and nope. it's it is not. Yeah, <laughs> super isn't. <laughs> super isn't. There are still children in cages, so... Oh, don't get me started. I just had to have a long conversation with a family member about oh, fuck. why, even though I am heavily Democratic, mm-hmm. why if Biden runs again, I wouldn't vote for him. Yeah. Well... It- Unless there was, unless he was the only, Mm -hmm. you know, what is option? Yeah, there we go. What there's, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna botch this, but there's that Plato quote: "Is that the folly of Mm -hmm. um, good men? Who uh, for the the folly of the indifference of good men is to be ruled by evil men." You know, I also just really want, um, because w- once you and Ren showed me that video of the congresswoman. Uh, yeah, she's amazing. I can't remember her name right now, but, um, yes, I want her to run and I would, I would vote yesterday, tomorrow, all the time. I would give her a body part. Yeah, me too. Literally anyone she wants. two kidneys. You can live just fine with one. sure. Yeah. yeah, I'll give her as much of my liver. <laughs> it's very healthy. I'd give you my insides, but you don't want those. No, no. <laughs> I, I just want your heart, Mary. <laughs> I think that's I think that's it for us this yeah. week. Though. We'll we'll be back next week with uh, the thrilling conclusion. And you guys, it's so much more thrilling. There is more stuff in the second There's half. There's a fucking vampire. Yeah. There's, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot. <laughs> There's a lot of death. Yes. There's a lot of death. Um, but yeah, we'll be back with the thrilling conclusion of The Baron, the Nightingale next week. We love you. Bye. Happy Bye. writing. Happy. Bye. Happy. All the things. <laughs> <laughs>